Tim Hopgood is an award-winning picture book author and illustrator. His books for young children, Wow Said the Owl, Tip Tap Went the Crab and Walter's Wonderful Web are hugely popular preschool favourites. Picture books, Here Comes Frankie, Big Blue Sofa and Unpoppable have been adopted by teachers for creative work in the classroom. He's also illustrated the lyrics for What a Wonderful World and Singing in the Rain. Today we're talking about Tim's latest project, My Big Book of the Outdoors. And it is a very big book. Yes, it's a a large format, probably the biggest page size I've worked on. And also uh, it's quite hefty. It's 128 pages long. So a completely new challenge for me. When I think about your books, I think of something that can be held by little hands. This is actually going to be an adult probably sharing the book with a child and holding it for them, I expect. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of the sort of book that I used to enjoy borrowing from the library when I was about six or seven. I used to feel quite grown up borrowing these huge, heavy books on uh, dinosaurs and the natural world. But also, uh, I just loved looking at the pictures. And uh, it's the sort of book that you can dip in and out of and uh, hopefully discover something new and wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it was a challenge to work on something that was 128 pages. I know you're probably more used to the 32-page format, So how did you approach it? Well, in a way, it helped. Originally, it wasn't structured in the four seasons. It was a lot more random. But I think giving it that structure helped me to break it down and almost treat it like four books within one. So as I came to a new season, I felt recharged and like, oh, I'm, you know, like, you know, I was getting to the end of spring and think, oh, I'm so excited about the artwork for summer. And so I think that helped me pace the work and the enthusiasm. Yeah, it's interesting when you use that word pace, because there's your pace uh, in terms of working, but there's also the pace with which you read and go through the book. And I think having those four seasons which have distinct colour palettes attached to them. It sort of um, helps your pacing of reading the book as well. That's interesting because uh, something I wasn't really realising was happening until we got to the end was the colour palette and how that changes. The I think the seasons really sort of pop out at you in their different ways. But I wasn't really aware of that when I was working in the in the sense that I didn't sit down with a very tight colour palette for each season. It just naturally emerged. It was almost like nature did it for me. That's really lovely to hear. Let's just tell people a little bit about some of the different elements that you get that do sort of repeat through each of the seasons. It's not just about information, is it? There, There are other things threaded through as well. Yes, so in each section, there's a little bit of poetry. So uh, a kind of a response to something that might be happening in the season, um, an emotion, a feeling. There's also things to do, things to make, and also looking at things that are specifically happening, so growing at that time, or things to uh, collect and look out for. But these things repeat through it out each season. Can you tell us a little bit about the media 
that you use for uh, creating the book is mixed media. Yes. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Do you get to tell me it's all done on a computer? No, it isn't. <laughs> no, no. I'm smiling really with excitement because I wanted to do a book that would allow me to use a wide range of materials and medium. And um, this was perfect. You know, normally with a 32-page pitch book, you might choose, you know, chalks or pastels and a, and a colour palette to work across those two pages. But with this book, uh, I was able to treat each spread or almost as an individual piece of work and just respond to whatever was happening on that page. So... For instance, there's a big double-page spread of a very colourful rainbow in the rain, the sun shining through it. So I used watercolours for that. I used chalks, inks, pastels. I mean, everything got poured into this book. It was basically a playground for you. Very much so. And that was a real treat. I wonder if we could perhaps take it season by season and have a look at some of the pages and, and talk about them. And I might ask you to... You know, pick out, it's very hard when it's all so gorgeous and wonderful, but maybe to pick out some favourites from each of the seasons as we go through. Where should we start? (laughs) Spring. (laughs) Yes, let's start in spring. (laughs) Well, maybe we should start right at the beginning with signs of spring. And and this text is all about how you can know that spring is happening. So we've got about animals, uh, the lambs. What I really liked here as well, these baby animals, lambs are born in in spring when there's plenty of fresh grass for the sheep to eat and turn into milk for their young. The reason that I like that is because young children don't necessarily make the connection. So that's quite a complex idea. In a way, I think that these spreads, the signs of spring spreads, goes back to my sort of board book work where you're really stripping the information right down and trying to make it as simple and straightforward as possible and then showing something in the illustration and then keeping the text really stripped right back you know the first roughs and the first attempts you know the text was all like twice as long you know and you keep going back and stripping it back and stripping it back and trying, how can we say this in the simplest way and keep the meaning? I think what you do so well is you do strip it back, but you don't take it back so far that it becomes obvious and bland, which is why I mentioned that bit about the lambs and that they're making the milk for the baby, because, you know, you could just have said that there are lambs in the fields with the sheep, but somehow that little bit extra, and we're expanding the child's knowledge of the world yeah that's a process that I enjoy this thing of revisiting text and checking you know is that the best way to say that but also I think a lot of this book is about it's a springboard for the reader to find out more about the world you know you you know this touches on so much, but, you know, if you want to know more about bees, there are books and books on bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the idea was that this is a springboard. I'm going to pick a spread here, um, which is the one with the eggs and the feathers, which I absolutely love here. We don't see eggs, birds' eggs very often, do we? 
No. (laughs) (laughs) And they're beautiful things. And also I, I was quite interested in how the eggs are quite different from the bird, um, like the blackbird's egg. It's such a beautiful colour that as a child, I don't think I'd make that connection. And I mean, the way I've done this spread is very sort of graphical in that laying things out so you can compare sizes and really look at the differences between the eggs and the bird's wings. They are to scale, are they, the bird's eggs? Yes, they are. Yeah. Really interesting because the cuckoo is a much bigger bird than the blackbird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the egg is small. Yes. Presumably because it's going to put it in someone else's nest. <laughs> <laughs> and it will hide it away. I mean, it, it is fascinating that it's so much smaller than the blackbird yeah. and the song thrush. Um, oh, I'm going to skip the creepy crawlies, although I did love it. That is one of my favourites. Oh, go on then. We'll stop there for a minute. <laughs> what do you like about this? I suppose I love the coolness of the image of the snail on the stone, but just as a mm. child lifting up, you know, a pebble in the back garden and then discovering this sort of world of creepy crawlies underneath and then the colours of those in- insects, the bright colours of the millipede. And I really enjoyed drawing the insects, I li- but I liked the spread, this idea of, again, quite simple and graphic. We see the top of the stone on one side, and then on the opposite page, we see what might be underneath the yeah. stone. Actually, it mirrors it beautifully, doesn't it? Yeah. And- what was your point of reference for, for this? Did you actually use other reference books to make sure they were accurate? Or was it from life or photographs? It was a, a, a real mixture of, you know, where I could get hold of things easily, I used things from life. And then I used books and also lots of photographs as well. So I spent a long time collecting and researching and then working out best way to show markings and drawings and it took a long time because <laughs> mm. it's interesting the the different things that drawing allows you to do that a photograph doesn't it can kind of simplify it down so that you notice the significant features perhaps more obviously in a in a drawing yeah well my wife commented oh you've managed to make a slug look attractive <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have actually. <laughs> one of my favorite oh I love the ant page actually because I learned quite a bit about ants I, I didn't realize there were soldiers and workers and drones and princesses if I learned it a long time ago I'd kind of forgotten that and I thought there was one queen and all the rest were workers so that was that was a really interesting spread uh, to me but I wanted to talk about something very different which is at the end of this section on spring the book sort of punctuated by these more poetic pages and this is very impressionistic very different from your graphic page that you've talked about called splish splash some of the pages you can you could ponder over for quite some time a lot of information to take in so I thought it'd be nice to be able to break it up with some pages that are just very expressive and just give a sort of sense of the wonder of the season. So this is a double page spread of of rain 
pouring down the page with a poem. And um, that's actually created in inks, uh, which I've then coloured. So I've I've used black ink and then scanned it in and made it blue. But then I've used some chalk, so over the top. That was black ink? Yes. Wow. So it's interesting. I was talking to somebody else the other day about them preferring ink to watercolour in certain circumstances because the ink is a little less predictable than the watercolour. Why did you use ink as opposed to watercolour? I use a lot of ink. So, because people tend to think of my work as being really colourful. And actually, if you're in my studio, (laughs) surrounded by uh, boxes and boxes of pieces of paper with black ink drawings on, um, I love the way it sits on the page and the way it reacts when you put it down on the page. I love the brush marks that you can make with it. I, I guess the kind of drawing ink I use, it allows for very graphic mark making, which sort of goes back to my background in graphic design. Um, I mean, I love what happens with watercolours, the way they react with each other. Um, and I'm actually getting more in into that. But uh, no, this page I did with black ink. Yeah. Oh. So when people get to look at it, it's actually pale blues and greens. So I guess the green and the pink over the top is the chalk, is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So take me to summer and tell me what you'd like to pick out from summer. Beautiful butterflies. So a spread of butterflies. I mean, the reason why I'm talking about this is because when I was working on the book, what struck me was just how amazing nature is and how beautiful everything is. And it actually, I started to find it a little bit overwhelming that I started to feel like, how can I do all this colour and all these patterns justice it was almost like the more I was looking at things, I was more thinking, that is incredible. So the peacock butterfly has markings that look like eyes. And if you've ever do see uh, a peacock butterfly in the garden or the, or the park, I mean, they really do look like eyes staring back at you. And so these creatures are so beautiful and, and, and these shapes. So how do, I, how do I represent this? How do I capture this, that beauty Am I doing it justice? Throughout the book, there are lots of places where um, things are captioned and labelled. And I think there's something really important about being able to name things in nature, to be able to name the trees, not call something just a butterfly, but know the names of the different kinds of butterflies. I learned a few along the way as well. (laughs) So did I. You know, I love this daisies page as well. I love the fact that so we've gone from butterflies to daisies everywhere. Butterflies is a page where we've got a whole collection of butterflies. Daisies is a page where, you know, the humble daisy that we all make daisy chains and it gets a whole double page spread to itself. But why? I think it goes back to the pacing of the book, keeping your interest up. So uh, you know, suddenly giving just a very simple, humble daisy a double page spread, because that becomes a surprise. And then you turn the, the page 
and you're faced with a whole load of summer fruit and vegetables. But it's this playfulness that uh, it's one of the things I love about making picture books is this playing with the page turn and mixing it up. And this really allowed me to do that. And I think also with the daisy chain, I think everyone working on the book, let's say we're of a certain age, where we're harking back to simpler times, I guess. Mm. Such a nostalgia there as well. Yes. Let's, um, it's a shame that we have to go so quickly through all of these. I'm, we're missing so much, but I know that people will get the chance to have a look at themselves. They'll have their own favourite pages too. But we're going to move on to autumn. And as you can see, I've got a glorious oranges, browns, all the kind of colours that we associate with autumn. Um, but what did you most enjoy here? I mean, image-wise, I love the carried by the wind and the seeds uh, being carried by the wind, but also just how amazing that is that, you know, some seeds are shaped that they can spin and fly away from the tree to give them a chance to grow in their own space. And I think um, that's probably something that I didn't, the different shapes uh I suppose I hadn't really ever appreciated, but I, that concept is so clever, the idea of giving seeds wings um, and then the way it sits on the page. And then and then opposite that, there was a poem about the seeds flying around and this idea that seeds will, if the condition's right, turn into mighty trees. And how amazing is that? Visually, um, on the right-hand side of the page we've got this red tree and then the um, darker seeds uh, are placed on top of it um what did you use to create is the is the tree ink as well the tree is ink with chalk smudges mm. and then the seeds over the over the top are uh, a mixture of ink and chalk I started to introduce more chalk into the book because I love the kind of earthiness that it creates, the, the way it picks up the texture on the paper. And I, I think uh, it gives it a little bit more depth. Mm. And the seeds have a, some of them have a sort of translucency about them. So you can see through to the yes. tree behind. Yeah. We have to move to winter. What haven't we looked at in terms of the, the types of design and page I love that owl that's a barn owl swooping over the winter landscape and I actually like the page after which is all about footprints yes so this was one of those spreads where we're showing the footprints left in the snow by different animals uh, and how you can tell who's been walking before you in the snow this was a lot of information to fit on the page and trying to get the illustration and the text to kind of work together. I mean, Louise Jackson, who was the designer of the book, has done an amazing job. I mean, that was the, one of the other things I loved about working on this project is that it was very fluid how the text and the images work together. And Louise did a lot of playful things with the type. So it wasn't just a matter of of squeezing the type in. Uh, the illustration and the type 
sit together very naturally on on, on the page. Mm. And I'd never really felt that before with a book. That's really interesting. Apart from the seasons, there's another section at the end, uh, which is about the night sky. I love these pages here. You've got constellations and something that I know many people find quite difficult to understand, the phases of the moon and how that works. (laughs) Wow, so that's how it's seen on the other side of the world. Yes, I mean, uh, this time last year, we were just completing the book and it really struck me how, you know, here was a project talking about outside and suddenly we were being told stay indoors. Uh, But one of the other things that hit me was how the natural world carried on without us. Not only did it carry on, but in some places it took over. Television clips of goats coming into towns and eating the gardens, and it was, like, amazing, really. Yes, yeah. You've dedicated the book to everyone who stayed indoors in 2020. What did you do once you were able to get out and about in 2020? Did this give you a renewed interest in the outdoor world? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm always kind of, I'm the sort of person that looks at the sky every day, mm. still get excited when you see a butterfly or I love seeing a bee hovering over a flower. And so um, I think this book is also about looking. It encourages you to go outside and, and look and, if you can, take a little bit of time and really and stop and ponder yeah mm-hmm. I think it's a book that will be enjoyed by very many families I hope that you're pleased with it now that it's come through your letterbox as well um, it, it is a joyous thing to behold and I certainly found myself smiling at those important turns of the pages with your surprises your poems And the great variety in the way that you've presented things, always so apposite for what it was that you were trying to communicate. I absolutely loved it. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been great. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.